Hi, I'm Ben James. Welcome to Beyond the Walls. One thing that I enjoy doing in my life is challenging myself, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And another thing that I really enjoy doing is talking to other people who enjoy doing the same thing and have made that their life's purpose. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you would, please take a moment. Like, rate, review, subscribe, all of the above at whatever platform you're listening to this podcast episode. Our guest today is Abby Van Nornen. She's the owner of Be Better Wellness, a lifestyle and physique coaching. She has a Bachelor's of Science in Dietetic Food and Nutrition Sciences. She specializes in nutrition therapy and training in diabetes, kidney disease, hormone dysfunction, and gut health. She's a certified personal trainer through the National Association of Sports Medicine. She also just happens to love cookies, red wine, chocolate, and vegetables. All right, and welcome, Abby Van Norney, to the Beyond the Walls podcast. It's great to have you today. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm entirely thrilled. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about your 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 journey into what you're currently doing now and, and something that, uh, that I can tell that you're extremely passionate about through uh, your website, through your social media uh, feed. So just tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about who Abby is. Who is Abby? Well, where I'm at currently is I am really developing my practice in wellness. And that started when I was very young. I grew up in a very healthful household with a lot of health issues. So when I went off to college and was taking care of myself, all of my energy was going towards, you know, just learning about my body and understanding how do I need to designate my energy to properly support myself? And I all of a sudden found all of this passion in primarily gut health. I do have irritable bowel syndrome. So as I was diagnosed with that, I focused all of my studies towards that. And I landed in the degree of dietetics and just ran with it from there. Fantastic. So let's let's talk a little bit about gut health. Uh, we could talk yes. a lot about gut health because I mean that's where everything starts, right? I mean our, our health, our wellness, our fitness, um, everything starts in the gut. Uh, and, it does. and I think that that's tough for us, especially in a westernized, Americanized culture that has everything developed with an insane amount of sugar. Uh, an insane amount of sodium and the like about how our palates have kind of become desensitized really to the amount of processing that takes place in the food that we consume most of the time. Um, you know, we, we think that maybe sometimes we're eating well when we may just be eating a little bit better than what we did beforehand. So talk to us a little bit about foundations of gut health and where if, if we've got a listener out there that's starting, that's going to draw inspiration from this particular episode, uh, what, what would be just a, a good foundational uh, piece of advice from a gut health standpoint? Absolutely. Gut health in and of itself is it feels so ambiguous and somebody hears gut health and it's 
I know in my first experience, it was overwhelming because we hear gut health and it's like, yes, I know that that's important. I can assume that, but what do I do? So to answer your question, which is the question that everyone has, where do I start? Mm-hmm. There's a few foundations to gut health in and of itself. Our gut is, it's not actually a part of our our systems itself. The tube that runs from our mouth to our bottom is technically a part of the outside world. So it's an interesting fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we consume food and then we need to bring it into our bodies. And there's a lot of processes that go into that. So there's digestion, there's the absorption process, and all of that's what's happening in our gut itself. So we want to make sure that we have proper digestion going on. And a lot of things go into that as well. But the best way that you can manage your digestion topically or initially is focusing on those whole foods and we'll get into that a little bit more later but really digestion is a huge part of it and then absorption everyone has a different complex of enzymes and these are the little bits of machinery that are breaking down your foods as you eat them these enzymes, everyone has a different complex of them. While we all are supposed to have the same ones, we don't have all of these enzymes in the same concentration. So that sets up every individual to not have the same advantage as another. Or some individuals are, some people can have corn and they're completely fine. Some individuals will eat corn and they just feel blocked up. And there's that comes down to what kind of machinery do we have inside of our body to break down those compounds Mm. next to that we have the microbiome which i know is a huge buzzword and people hear microbiome you beat me to it i was going to talk about the microbiomes (laughs) daggone it abby come on (laughs) we can get into the microbiome i wanted to i wanted to mention it like i actually knew what i was talking about (laughs) And then have you respond to it. So go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Well, clearly you you already know. (laughs) Everything about it. The microbiome is this, you know, group of critters, as I refer to them. We've got yeast and we have bacterias that live in our colon. And so our intestines are broken up into two subcategories are small intestines, which is where digestion and most absorption occurs. And then our colon, which is where some absorption occurs. But in our colon is where we have all of these critters living. And these are highly beneficial, barring that we have the populations of proper microbes or you know, that's including our yeast and our bacteria. So with the proper community of microbes in our colon, we are set up for optimum success. The issue arises when we are following a westernized diet here in America, we have highly palatable foods that are high in saturated fats, high in refined sugars, and then very, very low in fiber. So all of these things work together to starve out our good 
microbes and um, deprives us of a healthy microbiome. From there, we can no longer process the things that, so we'll digest most products that go into our body, but fiber is not digestible by us. So fiber then continues into the colon to feed our microbiome. And that's where all the good stuff happens. When we can feed our microbiome properly, they're going to produce compounds that are called short chain fatty acids. And these lead me into the final foundation of a healthy gut is that gut barrier. And this is what is referred to as a mucosa. It's a mucous membrane that is created by these short chain fatty acids and that population of microbiome that really protects us from illnesses. It provides us with a substantial, it's our first line of defense against disease and infection. So all of these things together interweb to create what we refer to as gut health. Fantastic definition. Now, I think um, coming off of or coming out of, hopefully, uh, this pandemic that we have been in, in in 2020 and now into 2021, uh, I think personalized gut health and that um, one of the, the great benefits from that is this, um, you know, that, that your your immune system is is stronger. You know, it fights off yeah. things. Um one of the things that you do is, you know, you're, you're a personal nutrition coach. You know, you help people with um, their, their food intake. And um, one of the downsides, in my opinion, of the information accessibility that we have is everyone can go onto a Google search and find experts that have published um, websites or PDFs or everything that's just... Yep broad brush painting, this is what you need to do to be healthy, whether it's yeah. from an exercise routine standpoint, um, food intake, diet. Um, and you mentioned a couple times in there just about how we're all kind of made up similarly, but we're all unique in, mm -hmm. in, in our own ways. And that's something that's really important of finding that balance and finding what is right for the person. If you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about what you do from uh, just the way that you approach your clients, the people who come to you. Uh, maybe explain that process of how you work from a personalized individual standpoint instead of just churning out these mass-produced um, meal plans, exercise routines, things of that nature. Absolutely. I treat all of my clients in the way that I wish that I was received when I was looking for help. Mm. So I'll kind of touch on that briefly. I got really sick when I was in eighth grade and all of my organs started to shut down. I was throwing up because I couldn't keep food down and to keep it less, you know, cringy. I was just incredibly sick for a very long time. I lost a mass amount of weight and I was highly deficient in a lot of nutrients. And I would go into various doctors and they would tell me it's a psychological issue. Essentially, you're crazy. 
it's all in your head. Are you sure you just don't want to go to school? And keeping in mind that I'm a nerd. School was my jam. So no, I wasn't trying to avoid school, but to go to school and just feel awful all the time was terrible. So moving past that, when I got to college and started to pursue an education in health, whatever field that was going to be in, I didn't land in dietetics until my junior year of college and absolutely fell in love with it because this was exactly what I needed when I was asking for help. And now I have the opportunity to give that back to people. So when somebody comes to me, I look at everything that they've experienced leading up to this point. And that goes as far as, did you, were you a C-section baby or were you born naturally? And that is our first exposure to microbes. So that's super important. If we are a naturally born baby, we're exposed to all of those microbes that travel to the, through the vaginal canal, or if we're a C-section baby, it's very sterile. So we're not initially exposed to these bugs that really do help us. So that is a first indicator of, okay, maybe we have a problem or an incongruence with what our microbiome needs to be and how it's performing relative to where your deficiencies are coming from. And so that's the very first indication of how does your gut health look? And from there, I'm looking at all of the stress that goes into your life. And not all stress is bad, you know? Exercise is stress on your body, but exercise is good for us. So I'm looking at how much are you doing? How much do you enjoy to do? What kind do you enjoy doing? Past that, what are you feeding on? And I always use the word feeding interchangeably with eating. Um, sometimes I'm like, I'm not trying to make you sound like a farm animal, but feeding is a very broad term for me. So what are you feeding on on a monthly basis? Because yes, day-to-day -day is very important, but we want to look at long-term. What's your variety in your diet? Mm -hmm. So how often are you having vegetables per meal? How often are you having vegetables per day? How many servings of fruit? Do you eat meat? Do you not eat meat? Are they lean meats? Are you eating poultry or just red meats? Do you enjoy fish? And I also really push using the word enjoy because another facet of my beliefs are that we don't have good and bad foods. We have foods that are preferred or more healthful and we have our flexible foods that we get to enjoy. Mm -hmm. My flexible foods are red wine and coffee or not coffee, cookies. Um, coffee is just a pivotal part of my life. So I think that's why that came out. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed 100%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so when an individual comes to me, I send them an intake form and it has all of these questions mm. that's telling me who you are. And it's really taking you as a thumbprint. We know that fingerprints are unique to everyone and that's the same for the amount and types of enzymes that our pancreas will produce along with the ones that are produced in our small intestine and 
everyone's microbiome is different. So that's another fingerprint. So, and while I can't look and see exactly what the composition of your enzymes are or what your microbiome are, all of that information tells me a lot about the performance of your gut. Other questions I'll ask, along with what kinds of foods are you eating? How do you feel when you eat? What are the emotions leading up to various feeding periods? I really like to avoid the word binge mm -hmm. because it's a trigger word for a lot of people, but a lot of individuals struggle with emotional eating. Yeah. So I will ask when you have these episodes of increased or undesired feedings, what are the emotions that come about with that? What are the events that happened prior to or surrounding that, you know, event of feeding? And then past that, after you've fed, how does your body respond? Do you feel bloated? Do you feel energetic? Do you feel well? Do you feel a little bit heavy? Or how does your do you feel constipated? Do you get diarrhea? How often does all of that occur? So I'm looking at everything that has to do with your stress input, output, your food intake and output so that I can better understand you as an individual. Past that, once I've established who you are and how your body's responding, we are going to talk in depth about how you prefer your how you would prefer your lifestyle to be and nobody comes to me, no one currently to date has come to me and just been like yeah i need a nutrition coach everyone comes to me because there's an incongruence between their real self and their ideal self and that's i think that's true for everyone we all have i would hope that we all have goals health-wise, career-wise, there's always going to be a difference between who I am now and who I would like to achieve. So when somebody comes to me, my job is to bridge the gap between knowledge and application. I hold the knowledge and I'm going to do everything that I can to essentially open the door so that all somebody has to do is step through it to achieve their ideal health. And that goes as far as helping you identify foods that you're intolerant or sensitive to, helping refer you to other professionals that, you know, maybe you have a lot of stress that, you know, I'm no psychiatrist or a psychologist, but if I notice that you are carrying a lot of baggage, that greatly impacts our ability to properly digest and nurture ourselves. If we are carrying a lot of stress that creates inflammation in the body, that creates essentially a constant state of fight or flight. So if I notice that you have stress in your body that I'm not qualified to handle, I'm going to refer you to the professionals that I feel are going to also benefit you along with the nutrition coaching that you're receiving with me. So not only am I looking to better your nutritional health, your hormone health, your gut health. I'm also looking to help you achieve that ideal self. Hmm. Awesome. I, I love the the shifting that we're seeing in the wellness uh, community and in that sphere of dropping kind of the cookie cutter mentality of one size fits all 
in, in in our counsel, in our advice, and in our programming, and taking a more individualized look at uh, you know what uh, what what many people would associate like the medical community taking us in if we're having an issue uh, and evaluating us one person at a time as an individual. Um, I, I really appreciate that shifting that we're seeing. Um, one of the things that, that I know that my, my wife and my daughter get tired of hearing me say in regards to food is, is my approach that I've kind of adapted now. Um, food is fuel. In, yes. Instead of, uh, I think uh, Ethan Suplee has a podcast, American Glutton. Um, if you are, are a fan of his, he was the he was the the very large gentleman in uh, Remember the Titans, uh, and he just went on an amazing journey. But he talks about how do we view food as sport, food as entertainment, mm-hmm. or food as fuel? Um, and, and that that really just that simple statement of viewing food as fuel has kind of revolutionized the way that I approach. Uh, my food intake. Um, one thing that I would like to just draw from you a little bit is I hate to use the word fad, but I'm, I'm, I don't know of any other word that I could use to describe it, uh, of looking at fad diets. Um, yeah. Seven years ago, I was 325 pounds and woke up one morning exhausted and I was just tired of being tired. So I made yeah. a change and started doing the paleo diet, um, okay. not not understanding that there were 72,000 different variations of the paleo diet. And I got my hands on the book that was the most extreme version of the paleo diet and the most strict that you could possibly be on. Um, but there's so many people that I see, paleo, keto, South Beach, Atkins, yeah. carnivore, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, and I've... I come to a realization within a couple months that the way that I was doing the paleo was not going to be sustainable for me long term. Um, and I would like to get your uh, input and draw just some of your um, opinions. Um, I, I think they're great starters. I think that some of these serve as just fantastic starters of a lifestyle change in the way that we consume food. but. Uh, can you speak to the sustainability and the way that we approach the sustainability of our dietary habits? Absolutely. I'm glad that you bring that up because I had had a thought while you were, you know, talking about how practitioners are moving into approaching someone as an individual and rather than a cookie cutter treatment. And that's very much how fad diets approach. You know, that's how diet culture is approaching weight loss or better health. So fad diets are great for like an umbrella term of like, I want better health. And I can see how an individual creating these fad diets is attempting to help people. I can appreciate that and understand that it's well intended that being said fad diets are not generally sustainable Mm -hmm. what's sustainable is a diet that fits into your lifestyle and one that you can adhere to and that is highly varied Mm -hmm. you know we're all going right back to we're all very unique individuals who have different priorities different schedules different 
intolerances and sensitivities to foods. I personally grew up on the paleo diet. So it's funny that you bring that up. Um, and it was, it was pretty restrictive. We were gluten-free, dairy-free. We really didn't have sugar, highly processed foods in our house ever. So I would go to school and somebody would have a birthday. There's cupcakes and I wouldn't be able to have it because in my mind, that's not what health looked like. And that's not what my body could have. I didn't understand. I have gluten now and I have dairy occasionally. I am lactose intolerant. So another part of that is if we're not exposed to those things early on, we then become intolerant to them. So I am curious if because I grew up not having dairy, if that's why I'm now lactose intolerant. And research shows that that is likely the reason. That being said, we cannot secure that. But fad diets are well-intended and highly varied, but they're not looking at an individual. You input your information, your age, your height, your weight. They're going to give you a calorie recommendation. And these highly varied diets are going to give you a macro distribution that somebody came up with somewhere. Like keto diet's going to tell you to eat very, very, very minimal carbohydrates. If you were to put the same calories into the paleo diet, you're going to have a pretty well distributed macro prescription. You can have more carbs, but it's going to be all from whole foods. So when I look at that, it tells me that the biggest thing that matters matters is calories in, calories out. We are understanding now that calories in, calories out is a little bit more complex than we understood it to be because of how very, we as individuals respond to that, what your insulin secretion might be, what your leptin might be. Insulin is what helps bring glucose into our cells. Leptin is an appetite suppressant hormone. So at what point is our body saying like, hey, we've had enough food or ghrelin is our hunger hormone that's like, hey, we need food. So all of these things are secreted in different concentrations between people. So we are kind of gaining the understanding that calories in, calories out always matters, number one, but it's a little bit more complex than we understand it to be. And people don't like hearing that, which is why an individual might start the keto diet and not see results. Whereas their neighbor got on the keto diet, had a great initial result, but wasn't able to sustain it and they gained the weight back. Or maybe they were able to sustain it and they adapted their lifestyle into, you know, they integrated more carbohydrates and they cut out some more fats. That's where I think a fad diet can be beneficial. If you see initial results, it's because you were in a calorie deficit in one way or another. But our biggest goal is to, again, make it something you can adhere to. So if you started on the keto or the paleo diet and you had a lot of great results, I'm really happy for you. What are you going to do next? Right. Are right. you going to continue to eat in that highly restricted window? because that's not what life is. Mm -hmm. 
you should be able to go out and enjoy and do things with your family and not have to think about the foods that you're eating all the time. So for me, fad diets, they're well-intended. They're far too restrictive. They don't take the 80-20 rule into account. And that 80-20 rule is about 80% of your intake should be from whole foods. Those, you know, plants, starches, beans, nuts, and seeds, anything that grows from the ground. And then your more flexible foods. And that's, you know, your red wine, your cookies, your, if you like having hamburgers, I love hamburgers Mm -hmm. and I will have a hamburger when I want to, but there's gotta be some balance in there because life happens. Kind of a intuitive eating type approach with the, the things that we really, really enjoy. Exactly. And something with intuitive eating that I think is so funny. I read one time was we wouldn't have intuit we wouldn't have to entertain intuitive eating if diet culture didn't make dieting so restrictive. Mm. So if we hadn't created this thought process of carbohydrates are bad for you or you know high protein diets are the only way to lose weight if we didn't create these random restrictions that worked for six people somewhere and then another person wrote a book about it, if we hadn't created these restrictions, we wouldn't have to use the term intuitive eating. It was, it would just be called eating. Right. Right. So do you think it's, it would be fair to say that, um, with, um, with different seasons of life and with our bodies being designed and wired to be adaptive, um, you know, the, you know, our body adjusts to what we're eating, you know, and what, what we're putting into it. Do you think it's safe to say that at different seasons in our lives, that there could be different dietary needs and we have to be willing to look at how our body is responding to something? And I think that you've alluded to this a little bit, but it's not like with, with a particular diet, that if you see success at the beginning, it may not be long-term sustainable because your body's going to adapt in mm-hmm. certain levels and ways. And can you, you just speak a little bit to our listeners about maybe uh, at the very foundation of recognizing what your body's trying to tell you through your feeding habits? Yeah, Absolutely. And this, just speaking strictly initially on going through the life cycle, when we're incredibly young, we want to be introduced to as many foods as possible. This is going to set us up for great success in terms of being able to tolerate all of the different wonderful foods that we have access to. And I'm talking primarily about whole foods. So feeding your kids the same. I'm hoping that you're eating the people that I'm talking to. I'm hoping that you're eating, you know, those whole foods, your fruits, your vegetables, your starches, beans, nuts, and seeds. When you have your babies, feed them the same foods that you're eating. Of course, kids are going to be kids and they want chicken nuggets and grilled cheese. That's fine. But for the most part, just simply feed them the foods that you're eating. Not only is that going to make them comfortable 
with eating vegetables down the line. God forbid trying to get a child to eat a vegetable at, um, I used to be a nutrition specialist for preschool. Some of those kiddos just wouldn't eat their vegetables. And I understand because they're just not exposed to that when they're incredibly young. It is strange. They're not fun innately. And even as adults, when I, when somebody asks me about sugar cravings and I tell them to go eat a carrot, that's the least sexy thing I could say. (laughs) Nobody likes when I say that. So um, just initially exposing our young people to healthful foods that are going to support not only their whole body systems, but also their brains. Our brains are highly reliant on all of these nutrients that are going into our bodies. Healthful fats, those omega-3s are going to highly sustain our hormone production, which is incredibly important for growth in and of itself. As we're growing, you know, we get into adolescence, it's important that we're eating enough food. Our bones will become the most dense that they'll ever be leading up to the age about 21 or 22. After that, it's incredibly hard to increase the density of your bones, which is why we see a lot of fractures, you know, bone breakage, osteoporosis and osteosarcoma in old people. And so this diseased bone epidemic that we start to see as people age really is preventable when we've addressed it from a young age. But the unfortunate thing is, once we've learned that these things are important, like getting enough calcium, getting your nutrients, vitamin D, potassium, all of these things that make up strong bones, making sure you have magnesium in your diet. Once we figure that out, people are in their mid thirties, in their mid forties, because all of a sudden their health has declined, their metabolism has started to slow down and they're like, what the hell's happening? Mm -hmm. So once we really put effort into our health, it seems to be too late to prevent some of those things, which is why I really push people to just keep started in the household. You want to create this wonderful, make it fun. Bring your kids to the grocery store with you. Let them pick out a vegetable and then let them help you make dinner with that vegetable. When they've been able to have a part in creating that meal and seeing what they can do with this awesome vegetable, they're going to be far more inclined to enjoy it and continue that habit into their adulthood. And so then as an adult, you know, our hormones are going to change a lot. And as we do see our metabolism slowing down, we need to understand that we need to continue to move our bodies. That's incredibly important, you know, building up, you don't have to be a beefcake. You don't have to go and lift a bunch of weight at the gym, but maintaining lean muscle is incredibly important for our immune system and optimizing our basal metabolic rate. Our basal metabolic rate is the energy output that you, I know, sustain if you were to just lay on the floor and exist Mm -hmm. pretty much. Mm -hmm. So if we can increase that lean muscle, which is a highly 
metabolic tissue. It puts out a lot of energy compared to fat tissue. If we can optimize that and it, the health of that, then we're going to increase the amount of food that we can take in and by extension, the amount of nutrients that we can give ourselves. As we age, it's just a part of the gig that our metabolic rates are gonna slow down. So we have to take that into consideration, you know, eat a little bit less food. I know that a lot of people enjoy eating food, but listen to your body. Are you really hungry or are you bored? And going back to food is fuel. It's not an entertainment. I personally enjoy the act of eating. So I really do have to listen to my body. Am I hungry? Am I bored? Am I emotional? What's happening right now? Do I actually just need to go read a book or go for a walk, something else to ease my mind rather than going and finding some food to find some sort of satiety so really just using food as a fuel and then when we get old our metabolic rates are going to continue to slow down and the biggest thing is getting enough protein and supporting your hormones really that is the biggest thing that i'll tell anyone they come to me what should i do for my nutrition i say are you getting enough protein and how are your hunger cycles how are you sleeping those three questions tell me so much about how your body's responding to food and where you're at currently well and how much that your overall gut health contributes to your rest cycles and yeah. your your rest cycles are a really really big deal for your overall they health. Are. Yeah. And one little side note I'd just like to tack on there. If you're listening to this and you've really never given a lot of thought to some of the things that you're hearing here, if you're starting to look at for some of those essential fatty acids, the omegas, pay attention to the number that follows the omega, please. She, she mentioned yes. omega-3. That's what you want. Uh, yes. <laughs> stay away from the other numbers that come after the omega, the omega-3. Exactly. Uh, so just wanted to throw out that disclaimer there. So let's no, uh, let, let's talk a little bit. There's something that's been uh, somewhat recent, a re somewhat recent development in in your world. But uh, tell us a little bit about Muscle Boy and Food Girl. <laughs> I, you you admitted that you were a nerd, uh, so I'm going to make a confession. Also, I'm I'm a bit of a nerd myself, and I'm a little envious, a little bit jealous that you now have superhero cartoonized um, a, a version of that of yourself. And yes. and I'm I, I second I had second thoughts about doing this uh, this discussion today after I after I figured that out I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, what what do you so, got going with that? Yeah, Muscle Boy and Food Girl. Um, my significant other is highly educated in the exercise science field. He is currently pursuing his degree in kinesiology. And he runs a business himself called Science-Based Gains. So we're both huge nerds. And so we were just, it, we combat each other so well and, or I guess complement each other incredibly well. And one day we were just talking about food and exercise and we call our, I was like, we are Team Smoke Show and he was like we're like superheroes and when I was in undergrad I used to travel with snacks all the time just a big lunchbox 
one day I pulled my sandwiches, plural, I'll highlight that. Two sandwiches was a snack for me. I pulled out my sandwiches and I heard somebody behind me say, the food girl is eating again. <laughs> and I was like, I have achieved. There it is. <laughs> there it is. That, that was the moment that you knew it was, it was there. <laughs> yeah. So that was all I needed out of probably life itself. But I made the joke. I was like, yeah, people already call me food girl. And he said, well, you can call me muscle boy. And from there, it was, I, he was putting educational content out on his Instagram page, and I've been putting educational content out on my page. So we just kind of thought, what if we were to become health heroes? What if we could present this to people in a way that was digestible and fun and just something a little, I mean, it's not like the world is deprived of ways to gain information about fitness or nutrition. It's everywhere. But to put a fun little spin on it, part of it is we get to do what we love and it's exciting for us. Yeah. But it's just another avenue to give back to people. So we have started a YouTube channel. You can find us uh, muscle boy and food girl on youtube go subscribe hit that little notification bell smash that um, like button yes yeah. um i will actually be doing the next video on the paleo diet and clearing up some myths mm. and clearing clarifying the benefits so it's great that we talked about that a little bit yeah. today but muscle boy and food girl has just been this awesome production of how can we provide more to people yeah and that's uh <laughs> you you have an instagram account for that also and uh and actually for muscle boy and the science-based games you can find him on instagram at william patrick fit uh if you'd yes. like to go check out his stuff one more thing um before we kind of open the floor to you here i want to make our, our listeners aware of um is that abby does uh frequently do uh an igtv program called seat at the table i think you did episode 13 yesterday if that's yes. correct about mental and physical aspects of recovery uh, just in a yeah. in, in a little bit of an overview what are you guys what, what's your goals with these igtv videos so what i've discovered is that registered dietitians and dietetic technicians are incredibly overlooked in the practice of health itself mm. and along with that I've learned increasingly we are exactly what we eat so really promoting the idea that we need a seat at the table as dietetic professionals whatever your qualifications might be and so not only did I want to really give myself a chair to have a seat at the table, I want to invite everyone to have a seat at the table because this affects everyone. So having a place to express your story and your experience as an individual, whether that might be your health, your fitness, your nutrition experience, your mental position on whatever the issue might be. We've talked about 
physique sports. We've talked about gut health numerous times. Just creating a space for people to bring their passions to the table and have an open conversation, things that people need to hear. Some of them get a little bit more technical and I get a lot of questions afterwards that are like, maybe you should break it down a little bit more. So I am working on trying to make it more digestible for mm-hmm. individuals. But a part of it is these are conversations that need to be had. So some of them do get really in depth because I'm having a conversation with another professional and we're discussing the nitty gritty aspects of things that people don't understand and why we need to get into it. That's great. I've, I've not gotten to view all 13 of them, but the ones that I have been able to view have been very beneficial and uh, very encouraging, which is, I think, a big deal in, uh, in our fitness and wellness journey overall is just to have voices that are speaking encouragement into us. Absolutely. Well, thank you for viewing those. Oh, no problem. I enjoy them. Gave me uh, my uh, my girls. Both of them have been away from the home for the past couple of weeks, doing favors for some of our our friends, watching houses while they're on vacation and animals and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, uh, I've just been going home of the evenings, sitting and staring at some very quiet walls. So, uh, so I had I had some time. I had some time. Um, very good. Yeah. Before we uh, before we wrap this up, Abby, is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners? I'll just kind of open the floor up to you at this point to to just communicate what's on your heart and on your mind. Absolutely. I feel when we're approaching not only our gut health, but trying to achieve some sort of better health for ourselves there's this feeling and anxiety of overwhelm Mm. and the biggest issue or biggest thing that I can say to you is to be an advocate for yourself. I know that health is hard. I've experienced it. People come to me and they're always struggling and you feel hopeless because oftentimes you've tried one thing after another and it doesn't work. You start to feel worse. You might gain more weight. It just feels like we've set the bar for health to be so high that the entrance fee is already so unaffordable. Mm. So I urge you to be an advocate for yourself and continue looking. Find yourself a registered dietitian. Medical doctors have their place and are extremely educated in their field. I will not overlook that, but find yourself, add a dietitian to your team and let them investigate you as an individual. And along with that, find someone who works with you. You're not always gonna meld with the first person you go to. So if you feel like it's not right for you, continue looking. And I know that that's exhausting, but I have compassion for you and I believe and know that you deserve optimal health and to feel well keep pushing you can do it you deserve everything in this world and that includes proper health and waking up feeling awesome well said well said 
You can find Abby, and I'm going to give you some addresses here. Again, there's going to be links in the show notes uh, because um, it may get a little confusing as I'm reading this, but on Instagram, at L-Y-F-S-T-Y-L underscore A-B-I-V. Again, link in the show notes. Uh, and to visit her website, uh, you can go to www.theletterb-betterwellness.com. Uh, Abby, thank you so much for taking time today and joining us. Uh, it's been an incredibly um, enlightening and encouraging conversation, and I hope that we can do it again uh, here sometime soon and talk a little bit more into another area about what you do and who you are. That would be amazing, and I appreciate you so much for having me on. This was a fantastic experience, and I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. We'll talk again soon.